on that side, we met scientists at UCSD. We were investing in startups here in San Diego. Um, these scientists, literally rocket scientists, reached out to us. You know, this is what we did for NASA, helping detect anomalies in space weather to a tune of 99% accuracy. And we said, look, we're in San Diego. Healthcare is a competitive advantage. How can we use AI to detect anomalies, make a prediction, a recommendation, a forecast that's going to help impact people's lives? In the interest of time, we said, can you detect breast cancer better than existing computer-assisted detection technology? And they very confidently said, yeah, we can do that. My name is Naveed Alipour. I'm a co-founder and CEO of AI Med Global, which is the umbrella company for Cure Metrics and Cure Match. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Lapart, and today how Naveed Alipur created not one but two medtech solutions to detect cancer and heart disease. All this and more on Code Story. Naveed Alipur has spent many years in the world of medicine and AI, supporting and admiring doctors. He jokes that his wife and he are the black sheep of their family, because they aren't actual doctors. He's the co-founder and managing partner at Analytics Ventures, as well as serving on the board of multiple San Diego-based companies. Outside of his professional ventures, he enjoys watching movies with his wife and kids. Naveed and his team explored the world of radiology from a technology and data standpoint, After applying the same thought process and or algorithm for predicting space weather, they processed millions of mammogram images to detect cancer in their patients. And it worked really well. This is the creation story of AI Med Global. AI Med Global comprises of of the the two separate Delaware C-Corp companies that uh, I started. First one being Cure Metrics. So uh, whether you go to the AIMedGlobal.com site, uh, it'll drive you to both websites, or you can go directly to CureMetrics.com. On that side, we met scientists at UCSD, being based here in San Diego, and we were investing in startups here in San Diego. Uh, These scientists, literally rocket scientists that had done work for NASA, reached out to us. And this is what we did for NASA, helping detect anomalies in space weather to a tune of 99% accuracy. And, and so with that, we said, look, we're in San Diego. Healthcare is a competitive advantage. How can we use AI to detect anomalies, make a prediction, a recommendation, a forecast that's going to help uh, impact people's lives and bring operational efficiencies? And in the interest of time, we said, can you detect breast cancer better than existing computer-assisted detection technology? And they very confidently said, yeah, we can do that. So we literally co-founded, my partner, Blaise Barlet and I, we started CureMetrics, uh, got the chair of radiology at the time at UCSD to uh, join us as chief medical officer. Fast forward to 2019, we got the first of its kind FDA clearance. We're software only, but on the CureMetrics side, it's considered a diagnostic because we detect anomalies, i.e. cancer. We got the first of its kind FDA clearance for a product that uh, detects cancer to the tune of 99% accuracy from a mammogram. So we started CureMetrics to detect breast cancer first, and through some cardiologists that had invested, we realized, hey, we can also detect and score the breast arterial calcification in the arteries, which is early onset to heart disease. Pending FDA clearance, uh, which was hopefully close here, we can detect heart disease in women from the same mammogram. 
no extra radiation, no extra discomfort. And um, heart disease is called the silent killer amongst women in that uh, 65% die on that first heart attack completely asymptomatic. Whereas us men tend to have chest pain, shortness of breath. You go to the doctor and, you know, do what's needed. That's on the cure metric side. And then very quickly, and I'll, I'll hit pause here, my uh, my business partner then got cancer. Because of that, we met a lady by the name of Dr. Rizal Kurzrock. What CureMatch does is for any cancer, not just women, not just breast cancer, any patient with cancer, we take their next generation sequencing panel, which is like the 23andMe of their specific cancer to the molecular level. So we take that input from the lab, from that they take the biopsy and they sequence the cancer. Uh, our AI in, in our database that we're always creating will match and recommend the optimal combination therapies for that patient based on their specific NGS panel. And so if a doctor wants to recommend a three drug combination, there's literally four and a half million combinations or more than four and a half million. So it's beyond human cognition. And so that's what CureMatch does. It's a decision support tool for doctors. It's not there to replace a doctor. It's there to empower them to take better care um, uh, in, in helping fight cancer. Tell me about the first version of the product. So that MVP version, how long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? On the breast cancer side, to train the algorithms, of course, you need data, right? We are here in San Diego. Our initial set of mammograms we actually got from a hospital in Mexico. And then we use those initially to train the algorithms and get that minimal viable product uh, in that first year. That shows that, in fact, we can detect breast cancer better than existing CAD. They gave us mammograms going back four, uh, four or five years even. And we detected not only all the cancers that they did without telling us, but we also detected the cancers earlier. So they may have detected a cancer, you know, if we got these images in 2014, you know, they got, they detected cancer in a woman in, in 2012. We detected it in, in some, you know, many cases earlier, and you know, by, by up to four years earlier. And so that's where we said, hey, we got something here. Cause if you can detect breast cancer earlier, the odds of survival are incredibly higher. Uh, and the costs of the healthcare system are incredibly low. And, and the beauty of what we built is we're 100% cloud-based. So we're on Amazon's cloud. And so we could, you know, ramp up and ramp down as much as needed to process as many mammograms as possible. The benefit of uh, of using the cloud is just that, and that it reduces the cost for a startup out of the gate. Those early years were key to be able to show that we got something here and these rocket scientists that are uh, frankly much smarter than I am. Uh, but the machine learning expertise and acumen they have uh, married with the MDs on the team, the radiologists like Dr. Bill Bradley. And, and so to, to marry the two, the domain expertise and the AI expertise was what allowed us to develop this technology. So this is a, a great, that's a great segue. So you've got the product, you prove that it works, right? You, you're proving that you're getting success by processing all of the mammograms and detecting bits of cancer that, that you didn't even know about. From that point, how did you progress the product? How did you decide to move forward? And I think to wrap that in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is how did you build your roadmap? How did you decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to create or to address with AI Med Global? At the end of the day, you're solving a pain point. Who's going to use it? Who's going to pay for it? Uh, healthcare is a different animal. There's uh, regulatory hurdles. There's reimbursement codes. So there's a, a lot of different areas to factor in. On the detection side for detecting cancer and heart disease, of course, the user is going to be a radiologist. 
they're going to detect in their workflow the cancer, and if there's heart disease, then you know send that on to a cardiologist um, that takes it from there to do EKGs and stress tests and everything else. And we initially said, okay, well, you know, this is healthcare IT in the traditional sense, so we have to build it, get the radiologist to help train it, because they're the ones that are going to be using it, and if they don't use it, then then we got a problem, right? And so not only did the radiologists love what we built, but many of them asked if they could invest in the company. And I equate that to, you know, if I said if I had a software for dentists and we had no dentists as investors, you got a problem, right? Or if you have a software for restaurants and if you don't have anyone from that industry as an investor, you got a problem. And so we said we got to build something that helps improve the workflow, helps detect cancers earlier and better. And then on the Cure Match side, Dr. Kurzrock was already a practicing oncologist. So she was a co-founder with us. So what she built, she built it to address her own pain point. Or uh, Morris Cancer Center, she was in Houston at MD Anderson. And these big centers have every Wednesday, they get together for what's called a tumor board. So they get together and review all the cases together of the patients and what to do for each one of them. You know, she was looking around this room of oncologists at the top of their field. And they're getting on their phones and laptops, Googling different combinations and how they may work together. And that's where she's like, this is insane. It's impossible to, again, beyond human cognition, to get the optimal combination uh, when there's four and a half million. Um, we need to develop something that uh, does this. And, and so the analogy I use that she likes is it's like, you know, we built Excel for oncologists, right? Excel didn't replace your CPA or my CPA. In fact, there's more CPAs, but they use it to be more efficient in their work. And and so that's what CureMatch uh, was built for, is for the oncologist to, to be able to, it, as, as new drugs are FDA cleared, new research is done, different combinations uh, that can work together without it because every cancer is different. So no two lung cancer patients will have the exact same cancer at a molecular level. And, and so to truly deliver precision medicine, you have to base that treatment for that specific patient. And that's where the next generation sequencing biopsy that, again, like I say, it's like the 23andMe or the Ancestry.com of that specific cancer. That's all we need. We don't need to connect to Cerner or Epic, that, the electronic healthcare record systems. And all we need is that PDF. And then where our database and, and the curation team, the clinical team is always curating and the algorithm will then match and produce our report that then goes to the oncologist is, is one of the tools uh, they can use at their disposal to, to ultimately determine what care to give to the patient. I, I got to ask, you know, with with all of the, you know, Theranos stuff going on and med tech and, you know, uh, over the last few years, I think people have, have raised eyebrows to, to med tech. Everything you're telling me as an engineer feels just awesome and feels right have, have you faced any sort of backlash from other people's you know bad decisions and, and fraudulent activities we have not in that sense because we're not a you know we're, we're not a lab right we're not a medical device in the physical sense that's going to penetrate a human body or we're not a pill that someone's going to ingest and may have a bad reaction uh, we're software right and we're there to help empower the the doctor ai is not going to replace the doctor but the doctor using it will replace the doctor that is not for better for worse and i say for better because it is healthcare we do have regulatory bodies that look at uh, what is being done and so when you get an fda clearance that's a huge hurdle to get through and they say yes in fact this technology does what it says 
and papers have been published and we've had a ton of papers published on both sides. And, and so that helps, but you're always going to have bad actors in any field. And unfortunately, yeah, that does put a bad light in, in some cases. Within healthcare, you're going to have doctors that are tech savvy and they want to explore new technologies and again to marry the AI with the HI, the artificial intelligence with the human intelligence. And you're always going to have people that you know are resistant to change. We do come across uh, those individuals sometimes, and and that's where you just have to get enough folks that uh, use the technology, their colleagues, to say, you know, this this actually does in fact work. And and that's where ultimately, you know, to my earlier statement that you know it's not going to replace the doctor, but the doctor using AI will replace the doctor that is not um, because they will practice that you know better care for their patients with these new technologies. Okay, well, let's switch to team then, your team. How, how did you go about building your team? What did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? Well, that, that's an easy question. I look for everyone to be smarter than I am. <laughs> and, and if you're putting a team together, you you don't want everyone to be the same. You need everyone to complement each other and bring different things to the table, right? And so, you, you know, we identified Dr. Bill Bradley, who sadly you know, passed away a couple of years ago from heart disease, but he was our first chief medical officer. And as a chair of radiology himself, we couldn't have had anyone better at the beginning of a company, right? We now have Dr. Lisa Watanabe as our chief medical officer on the care metric side. She's a practicing radiologist. We have Dr. Kurzrock, of course, uh, at CureMatch, a world-renowned oncologist, 900 plus publications. To be in the healthcare field, you have to have these MDs involved, of course, and the more esteemed they are, the more prominent they are, the the better it is to, to get develop these technologies. So uh, first and foremost was have those partners, co-founders, team members uh, out of the gate. After that, of course, then find the right caliber CTO. And in, in the healthcare world, we were fortunate to find someone who you know has a biology background and an engineering background, right? So uh, and San Diego is a great place for that, uh, as is Boston and, of course, um, Seattle and San Francisco and other places. Then, you know, you, you empower those team members then to build their team, the engineers they want, the clinicians they want. Our chief science officer, Ali Perlina, was Craig Ventner, the gentleman who the first human genome ever mapped was his. Um, so she developed the oncology division at Human Longevity, Inc., uh, before moving to a company called Viome and helping them automate and scale to the point they are before I was fortunate to get her to join us in 2020. And and then, of course, good people follow good people. So we have people on our clinical curation team that word human longevity inc with her then viome and now with us at cure match and and same goes for you know as you move on to the business side i'm not a marketing person i want someone that's much better at me in marketing i'm uh, our sales team uh our former illumina executives right so we look for identifying individuals that are masters in their domain of their domain and and also have the passion frankly in the healthcare sense that uh, to be mission driven you know whether it's our intern or our salesperson or marketing or software developer or data scientist or bioinformatics expert, like if, if they don't have that passion that, you know, we're doing something that's going to make an impact on people's lives, then you know, it's not the right company for them. And they're passionate about what we're building and, and the impact we can make on detecting cancer and heart disease earlier and, and then recommending the best combinations optimally to treat that patient as early as possible. Okay, let's flip to scalability. You mentioned this a bit earlier when you're running the initial models and and running it in the cloud, but I want to I want to ask it 
uh, in a specific way. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one or are you fighting this as you grow in any capacity? You know, from day one, we were on AWS and that's a competitive advantage. A lot of the legacy companies, the larger companies that develop the hardware, and yes, they have the computer assisted detection software, they don't have that flexibility. And so we can literally go into an entire country and say, give, you know, give us your mammograms going back five years. We can process them all immediately. From the foundation of the company, uh, we, we said, let's be scalable. Okay, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? And there's a, there's a lot here to be proud of. There's a lot left to be done. Truly not to overstate it, every day I get up with an urgency of, of, you know, how can I move things one day faster? The financing, the partnership front, the, you know, hiring the right team members, you know, using the right consultants, getting FDA clearances. How can we do things one day faster? What I am proud of, and, you know, just to take a snapshot, is sometimes you don't, in any field, not just healthcare, but you don't see the progress one day versus the other. But you look back, you know, one month, three months, six months, a year, and to see how far you've come, you know, on those snapshots, I, I take a moment to kind of appreciate that and then say, okay, we got to move on to the next milestone. But we're, I'm really proud of our CPT code that the American Medical Association gave us. I mean, this is the first of its kind in history. Be on the cutting edge and be helping get these technologies to market makes me really proud of, of the team. And again, coming from a family of doctors, uh, I've always had the utmost respect for those in the medical profession. I guess the analogy I've used before is to say, okay, a pilot has a couple hundred lives in their hands on a flight. An air traffic controller in one 12 hour shift has thousands of lives in their hands. And so the way I look at it is I'm not the pilot, right? I'm not the doctor practicing medicine. Uh, I'm not the pilot flying the plane, but in a sense, I'm air traffic control and that I can impact thousands of lives by the technologies we're building, tens of thousands, millions. And so that that's what makes me proud is at the end of the day that we're building something that's, uh, that has already, in fact, detected cancer and heart disease earlier and helped people live longer, you know, with getting the best combination of drugs earlier. And so that, that makes me proud to be able to do something that's truly going to impact people's lives. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. Advice is always easier given than taken. There's a saying, you know, hire slow, fire fast. And we've made a lot of great decisions and made one or two bad ones where, you know, hired someone that uh, we'd done a little bit more due diligence. We wouldn't have hired. You know, a hire I made against my own gut feeling that then ended up being the wrong hire. Brought a, even in this remote environment, brought a toxic work culture in the interactions this person had. And, and so that, that that's uh, just immediately the first thing comes to mind when you ask a mistake. It's hire slow, fire fast. And in one or two cases, we hire too fast and fire too slow. Well, what does the future look like for the products and for your team? We look at cancer and heart disease with a global view. You know, these two are the you know, number one and two causes of mortality in the world, and they will be for a long time. Cancer and heart disease don't know borders or boundaries, and neither do we. And so to truly make the biggest impact is on as many lives as possible, we either need to raise a huge amount of capital to do it much faster ourselves. And as an investor, also myself, I, I love it when the CEO says, you know, the bulk of the use of funds will go for sales and marketing. 
And so that's where we're at, where the money we would raise would go for the sales and marketing efforts. We don't have to, we don't, we don't need to develop the product. It's, it's, uh, it's go time, right? We've gotten the CPT codes. We have the technology. It's, it's time to put our foot on the gas. So it, it's either we're going to do that ourselves for a bit longer here, or if there's a partner, a much larger company that's been around, whether, you know, public or private that has the distribution that has the deeper pockets to do this faster, that's going to impact more lives faster than, you know, that's the decision we need to make. Um, and so we're in real time, you know, having those conversations of, you know, do we, is it the right time to, you know, explore, you know, handing the baton over to a larger company that would, you know, roll us up and get these technologies to more people faster? Or is it, um, you know, we're going to increase our resources to, you know, build it and do it ourselves um, for longer and, and, you know, what's the best path. And for me, it's do the right thing and you know, the money will follow, but it's, you know, what path will impact the most lives the fastest? And that, that's the real-time question that uh, myself, the team, the board is trying to answer. Okay, let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? Name someone or many persons or something you look up to and why. I can answer that in a couple of different ways. I could say that I do that for my family, right? Um, my wife, my kids, my youngest son is autistic, high-functioning, but I, autistic. You know, is he ever going to be a uh, independent adult that can take care of himself. I don't know, uh, but that, I always have that in the back of my mind. Of course, I do this for my family and to leave them in a, a situation where if I'm, you know, I'm no longer here, they're they're okay. And so I have that uh, at a very personal level. And it's also, you know, my father is uh, is a cardiologist. I've always admired greatly, you know, how passionate and proud he was of of the work that he did to help patients. And you know, he's retired now, but you know, seeing him you know, build his practice and be truly passionate about the practice of medicine and innovations that's, that's been etched in my DNA, right? And so, you know, I, I could say I look at, you know, my father in, in that regard and, and like a lot of people, an admirer of, of, you know, people in the public eye that are doing amazing things. You know, there's always controversy around them, like, you know, Mr. Musk, people love him or hate him, but, you know, you can't take away the incredible technologies he's developed that you see driving around every day right and i, I don't own a tesla by the way this is not an endorsement in any way i don't own one i don't own their stock but it's it's uh you know people like that are are you know i, I look at them and everyone's in, you know imperfect and has their flaws but uh i admire those that go against the grain and the but for them this technology would not exist and i think that's just a fascinating trait of human ingenuity okay Last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? I would say it's all about the team and your board and your advisors and to not be afraid to ask for help. Don't let pride get in the way. Bring people on board board your train that are going to drive it in the right direction. And so many times ego and personality traits get in the way of great technologies, especially in healthcare. You have a lot of great technology that let's say a doctor developed, but they have so much ego and pride of, you know, letting go of the reins and replacing themselves or, you know, losing some control that those technologies never make it to market. So get incredible people on the bus, on the train, on the plane, and it'll get you to the right place faster. That's fantastic advice. Well, Navi, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of AI Med Global and the products that are underneath Cure, Cure Match and Cure Metrics. 
Thank you so much for uh, giving us the time. And I hope uh, your listeners enjoy this podcast. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.